So your reporting, I think, is kind of informed by that kind of reporting too, right? Like the, you know, you're hearing from inside the program, like be prepared. Yeah. You're, you're hearing the same kind of ominous language that you guys are repeating. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, because you, with kids, you just don't know. And the the bad thing is, I don't want to sit up here and say um, Chris is leaving, and then you know Chris decides, you know, last minute he talked to his parents, talked to coach, and he changed his mind. I also just um, want to make sure that I'm very mindful of people's stories. I'm mindful of the people who tell me things, and I, I don't jump too quick. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and um, I'm excited to have this person on because she's really been on top of everything that's going on um, at North Carolina. She covers the Tar Heels. We've had her on before. Kiara uh, Luck, uh, podcaster, you, well, video maker. Oh my God, I've already botched it. <laughs> uh, clubhouse. <laughs> clubhouse participant yes there's nothing you can say wrong at this point I, there's I, everything so i'm a one-man band yes yes you are and you've really been on top of a lot of what's going on at north carolina both you know during the season itself and and obviously as we're headed into the off season here and look we're, we'll talk some NCAA tournament people like i'm not i understand it's still happening um i think Overall, the ACC pretty much did what was expected. So, like, not a whole lot newsworthy there. Um, yes, even Syracuse, because what does Syracuse do when they get in the tournament? Except exactly. for, like, everyone should have known this. I should have known it, and I still didn't have them. Um, I did have them beat. Well, no, I did have them beating West Virginia. So I did get that right. No wonder I'm still doing well in our, like, work bracket. Thing, <laughs> because I was like, how am I doing well? My, my upset picks were disasters. Thanks for nothing, UC Santa Barbara. I believed in you. Um, that was my favorite upset pick too. I felt so smart for picking it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, uh, it was a close one though. I'll give myself credit for that. Um, but yeah, um, it, there's just not a whole lot that I don't think has, I don't think anybody is all that surprised by what the ACC has done so far. I mean, maybe with North Carolina, um, I know some people like that pick over Wisconsin. I was not one of those people. I don't know about you here. I didn't love that matchup for them from the jump in the eight, nine game. I didn't either. And it's funny because I, it was an emotional pick for me. I definitely had Carolina going a lot farther. I just knew that if Carolina could beat Baylor, that, you know, the rest would be smooth sailing. And, and David Noel, um, he's a co-host with me on our podcast, a player and the fan. He was like, here, like Wisconsin is like Iowa. They are super experienced. And this pick for you is, is super emotional. And I was like, no, no, Carolina can do it. And he's like, all right, you're going to be embarrassed. And sure enough, they got right back off the bus and, and got right back on. So, <laughs> I mean, to be fair to you, I didn't even think it would go like that. Like, I didn't I didn't either. Lose, but yeah. I didn't think it would look like that. They just looked, whew, they, yeah. they didn't look good. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's become a thing this whole season to a degree, but it's really ramped up as the season's coming, you know, came to an end and was coming to an end where it seemed like there was this narrative shift with North Carolina because, Oh, sorry. My work email. There we go. I'm doing a great job. Podcasting. Um, but yeah, it would seem like there was this shift towards looking at Roy Williams and North Carolina and like every little thing he did was like, Ooh, is he going to retire? Is he retiring? Yeah. 
and, and, and yeah, I think some of the drama behind that has really ramped up, obviously, as we get into the offseason with North Carolina. I will admit I, I fell victim to it a little bit um, during Roy's postgame press conference because, like, I understand he loves all his teams, right? Like, we get that. But I didn't expect him to be as emotional as mm-hmm. we saw him, right? I don't know if that surprised you, too. No, um, it, it, it definitely did because – I could definitely see how people would draw conclusions that, you know, him being this emotional over a loss is, you know, it's kind of uh, nerve wracking because he's he's never really that emotional over loss. Like he knows it happens, but, you know, it just looked like more than just losing. It looked like, you know, almost a a sign of defeat, kind of. Um, And, you know, coaches really age every year. Um, We see it. But this year he definitely looked, you know. He looked a bit down. Um, his body language wasn't really the same. And as the course of the season progressed, um, you could just see, you know, I wouldn't say unhappiness, but you could just see, you know, there was just a level of frustration there of not knowing really how to connect with this team and and feeling a little lost. So it, it definitely um, caught me by surprise seeing him. Um, Yeah, Yeah, you see him like this sometimes with some senior laden teams, you know, that he thought really highly of. You sometimes see it um, if they lose in a last second fashion or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I had the same reaction as you where I was just like, I mean, not to be mean to this particular group of players, but I was like, this team? Really? Um, (laughs) I wrote about this for WRLSportsFan.com though I think you're right I think what you said played into it too because I wrote about this part too where Roy just we always expect Roy to be able to fix it yes yes and he couldn't and (laughs) yeah I think that was yeah I don't think there's a team that he's had that he really hasn't you know been emotionally attached to like he's he's in like I don't I think he's one of the few coaches that is very emotionally and loyalty driven. Like he loves his players. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's very evident how much he loves them. And I think, you know, it kind of weighed on him a little bit that it wasn't able to happen this year. You know, there wasn't that, you know, extension of him anywhere present in this team. No. And, and I can definitely see that, you know, being a problem for him, you know, kind of questioning who he is as a coach and mm-hmm. what, what what went wrong? Yeah, and I think I, I do think what he said though about COVID was accurate, right? Like I think he, you know, I think that 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 made me rethink his emotion a little bit too. I, I mean, we know how hard this season has been on all of these college basketball players, and um, I think that played into it a little bit as well. I think that probably was as much the reason he kissed the court at the Smith Center as anything else, to be honest. Um, and I don't see Roy Williams wanting this season to be how he remembers college basketball for the last time. Mm. So, so to end the speculation on that, I just would be pretty surprised if that or if he wanted this to be his last college basketball season. Um, but I do think maybe he had an idea of some of the things you've been reporting on um, almost as soon as Carolina lost, really. It um, <laughs> was basically like, well, look out for these transfers. It's uh, funny, looking back, I probably could have timed that a little better. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. It that way, I, I could have probably done that like Saturday morning. Um, but um, it, it really was just instinct for me to just do that. And um, yeah, and, and yeah, it, it was a little sudden. <laughs> I could have waited a few hours. 
I mean, you've got you've got your finger on the pulse. I know you've talked to a lot of these players and their parents and stuff like that, and and, and you and their families and people close to them. So you, I think, have a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, and that that that's what that reporting comes from. But it's been interesting to see kind of the Carolina people that I know are well connected and and well sourced, like you, and another sort of hint at what's to come here. Um, and and I know some of it is because of the fact that Roy doesn't have a lot of transfers, right? But mm-hmm. um, I guess just getting the the larger question out of the way first, because we've already seen Walker Kessler transfer, Dayron Sharp going pro. I don't think surprised anybody, um, but it's just another departure of one of your freshman bigs. I, I guess some who are already inclined to be a little dramatic anyways, especially with everything that's been going on with Roy and everything else might look at that, look at the reporting about a bunch of people transferring and think, Oh, this is doom and gloom. Um, This means there are all these larger issues at play at the Carolina program. But I think what I've seen from you guys is just that there's more departures to come really. I mean, that's kind of how I've read it. Um, What, yeah, so could you parse that out for us before we yeah, so, the panic button? <laughs> yeah, so from from what I've I've been hearing is that um it's it's gonna be it's not alarming because if you really watch this season, you can really tell that there was some unhappiness there and there was some frustrations and um with this year being incredibly special to the point where a player can literally do anything he wants, you know, this year, quote unquote, doesn't matter, right? So mm-hmm. Um, they can transfer and be another freshman and literally start and contribute day one. So um, this was trial and error for a lot of kids and a lot of programs. So it's not just Carolina that's facing this problem. You know, there are a lot of programs like Duke, you know, who had a player, you know, quit midseason. And um, there wasn't another player who entered a transfer portal. So it's it's not um, super surprising because a lot of programs face this but being Carolina and knowing that you know how loyal Roy is it is alarming to see more than one transfer happen and I I did hear that you know there were some kids on the departure list and some that were um, a little surprising and um, my sources told me you know just be prepared for anything to happen because there's so much uncertainty right now so um, your reporting, I think, is kind of informed by that kind of reporting, too, right? Like, that, you know, you're hearing from inside the program, like, be prepared. Yeah. You're, you're hearing the same kind of ominous language that you guys are repeating. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, because you, with kids, you just don't know. And the, the bad thing is, I don't want to sit up here and say, um, <laughs> Chris is leaving. And then, you know, Chris decides, you know, last minute, he talked to his parents, talked to coach, and he changed his mind. I also just... Um, want to make sure that I'm very mindful of people's stories. I'm mindful of the people who tell me things and I, I don't jump too quick um, because even though they're a source and they're, they're close to the program and, you know, they're within it, um, they could also be wrong. Um, and, you know, they could yep. be late on information and hear something totally different, but it's just really alarming um, just when you, look at how kids react on social media and their parents and things like that. Um, like Walker Kessler, just <laughs> immediately deleting all things Carolina. And um, it, it's just, yeah, it's just really telling to see these kids, you know, say something without saying something. Um, and I just don't want fans to think in totality, it is the program. There are definitely other factors that contribute to kids transferring. You know, it, it could be that, um, his major didn't cater to him the right way, or maybe, you know, he didn't like the long walks between 
the cafeteria to the stadium. I mean, there's just different things that go into kids transferring. Although, although I guess they weren't taking many of those. <laughs> right. Like, Maybe Zoom wasn't the most <laughs> best, you know, uh, outlet right. for their classes to use. So I just want fans to know that there's definitely more um, to the story than it just be in the program and to just, you know, kind of relax a little bit right. and not think that it's, it's heavy on Coach Williams or heavy on UNC. Um, there's definitely more to the story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's weird. I think if it had been like a Caleb Love, not to pick on Caleb, but like I think fans might have reacted a little differently, you know, than if it's a Walker Kessler, who was a guy that obviously had a slow start to the year. And when he finally started to kind of come into, you know, getting into physical shape he wanted to be in after that quarantine, you know, at the start of the year and really looking more and more comfortable, it was like, all right, he's going to be a piece around here for at least one more year and really develop. And, and now they don't get to see that. And I know, I guess there was some talk about he wanted yeah. to be a stretch five. I, I guess for me on that one, I don't know. And you can, please, you know, please correct how wrong I'll be on this. But for me, watching him play this year, obviously he took some threes. Um, mm-hmm. I think Roy made some jokes afterwards, but I think, I don't think Roy had an issue necessarily with him taking three pointers or that becoming a part of his game. But I just don't feel like he got enough, you know, with four bigs ahead of him with more experience and and plenty of talent. I just don't know that he really even got to, well, three bigs, I guess, but I don't think he really got the opportunity to know if that was going to be part of his game. No, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's what players are kind of missing. Like, um, we I, coaches totally understand who you want to be, but maybe let's, you know, explore your, your path in totality. You know, let's just not just box you into one thing. And, you know, a lot of times whenever kids and parents go into programs, they really don't want change. This is who my kid is. <laughs> and this is how I want you to play them instead mm-hmm. of, you know, let's work on different things. Let, let's, you know, explore different avenues. And, Um, I think that can hurt a kid who's not willing to learn and grow um, into a diverse player um, instead of just being a one-trick pony. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And it's just, I mean, it definitely surprised me. I mean, I you know, again, I'm not trying to pick on Caleb, but if Caleb Love had been, like, transferring to Missouri, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, But I think, like, for... for, uh, for it to be Walker, I was just really surprised because he even seemed to understand a lot of what limited him this season. And I don't know, um, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is and, and we'll see. I'm sure there'll be more. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Carolina's staff, like you said, since they've been alluding about this to you and to others, like, I'm sure they knew this was coming and it's probably already been. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that was something that um, I, I spoke about all on the podcast was that um, whenever I had, share the news on Friday after they lost to Wisconsin, you know, people are in my DMs, like, you know, you're wrong, you're fake news. Like, how do you know? And my thing was, this isn't some decision that just happened on Saturday and Sunday. He, you know, talked about it Monday. No. Yeah, like, I mean, he no, it these are decisions that like, they've known for weeks or for months. So this is definitely something that you all are just finding out about. Like, this is something they've known for a while. This isn't just some, 48 hour decision. So um, I, I think people forget that, you know, this season was very long and they've had a lot of time to themselves yeah. and with each other. So 
they definitely knew their decision coming in after the tournament was done. Yeah, no, for sure. And and maybe, you know, who knows? I know Roy had a lot of end of the year meetings um, over the weekend and maybe maybe some players that seem pretty sure are rethinking or trying to get more info. Who knows? Like there's no telling. But, um, you know, I'm sure we'll find out more, mm-hmm. you know, probably even after this podcast before. You know. <laughs> of course. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, I just wanted to get a little more on that for sure, because I know even for me, I've been kind of like, well, what's going on? Like, why? you know, what's going on here? And, you know, why haven't more names come out at this point? I was wondering about that, but I guess maybe they want everybody to have their day. Um, yeah, not gonna lie. I was wondering There's that no too, talent, like, really. but then again, like you said, everyone has their day, you know, just letting people share their news slowly. But I was wondering, like, why is it taking so long? If anyone is leaving, why they just haven't just announced? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as far as what, whether anybody should panic about North Carolina, I, 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 you know, again, I think we've covered that mostly, but I'm, I'm very much of the let's wait and see what they do in the transfer portal mindset because it's going to be a very busy space. So I, I'm kind of on wait and see mode. I don't know how, I, I mean, do you sense panic coming from inside the program too or? I was more so just concerned on what adjustments need to be made um, because there was a, there was some uh, unhappiness um, with players and, you know, um, obviously a connection was lost and, you know, trying to figure out how to move forward, how to make this better, because it's not just this year you worry about, you know, you worry a, a little bit about last year. And, you know, if you really want to play into it, you know, um, you're also looking at the Nasir Little situation because, you know, that was another thing that kind of um, seemed a little iffy, you know, why didn't he play more and things like that. So the past couple of years um, really have to come in the forefront of how can we adjust to who we are now and who these players are now. Like the breed of kids now are totally different from just five years ago. And that's insane to think about, but um, how to connect to these kids better, how to connect to these families better and and try to adjust everyone's expectations and get into um, on one accord. I'm getting to a very happy marriage, I should say, into where both the player and the coaches are contributing equally to make their program um, what it is and compete with that baseline of championships because that's what it is for Carolina is championships or busts. Um, fans feel like if we're not in, you know, the final four or the elite eight, that we were horrible this year. Um, so just trying to get back to that high expectation of who Carolina is and being a top tier school, because when you're looking at the NCAA as a whole, when you're looking at fun, honestly, are you really looking at UNC? Like you're looking at Gonzaga. You're looking at your Rutgers, you're looking at your, even your Texas or even your Virginia Tech. And you're looking at how fun, you know, Mike Young is, is enjoying his new job. Like um, even Florida State with Coach Ham and the culture that he created. So you're looking at all, oh, yeah. Yeah. At all these different programs and how much fun they're having and the experience they have. And it's, it's kind of alarming that Carolina isn't in that conversation anymore of being a highly desired school. Like, Michael Jordan isn't, the, the name doesn't carry the same weight that it does. You know, you're using Cam Johnson now. Like he's, right. he's your guy that you're referring to, to kiss now to the success, the Kobe White. 
So you really have to kind of almost not like a strong rebrand, but really rebrand who Carolina is and what they can really do for these uh, athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you touched on the Nas Little situation and and in in a lot of ways, I feel like the the uh, the Caleb Love situation was the exact opposite. And that always stuck out to me this whole year in that, you know, but maybe I think their mentalities were different, too, though. Like Nas Little, you could kind of see him him thinking, him thinking and overthinking Mm -hmm. every little thing on the basketball court sometimes out there with Caleb. Man, that. I loved, I think I said this last week, but John Manuel, um, who worked for, he did work for baseball in I'm not sure he's with now, he covers college baseball, but he was, he had said that Caleb Love would make an amazing relief pitcher because he just, no memory, just on to the next play. Like it does not, it, it does not impact his confidence. Um, and I thought, I, you know, overall, I think that's a positive trait, but I know it probably had to drive Roy insane in some ways because it was like he had no memory of the bad ones either. But, but he, you know, he was fascinating in that way because you see so many freshmen beaten down by, you know, not performing well or, or not playing as well as they could. And to be a Carolina point guard is very difficult. And, you know, he had a rough year statistically, but it never really seemed you couldn't see it on his face on the court whatsoever. It was it was kind of yeah. unreal. But Roy let him play through all of that. You know, I don't know that he had a choice. Maybe that's part of it. But um, that was always a fascinating thing to me to watch was like. All right. Well, nobody can say that Roy isn't letting him play through his mistakes because yeah, Roy and, knows and that's I, exactly like what I, I totally agree. I think that is truly admirable when you're coming. I guess when Jason Tatum's dad is your your coach, and you know you are literally the man yeah. in Missouri in St. Louis. Like everyone knows your name. Everyone knows who you are. I think all his life he's been incredibly confident. Like why change that in six months? Um, and you know, he said his mom, you know, told him to meditate and to honestly just keep shooting like something's going to fall in. Um, and I, I think regardless, you know, even if he does decide to leave, he's still an, an NBA pick. And I think that has to play in your mind a little bit. Like, regardless of what happens, I'm still an NBA player. And I don't think that changes you yeah. at all. So, um yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? Right, like that dynamic. Because I, I think I saw the statistic that, um, I, I forget what the statistic was, but it was Sam Vecini who tweeted it out. He's like one of the least efficient Power Five potential prospects of in a long time, partially because of his high turnover numbers, and you know is struggling to shoot the ball as consistently as he would have liked. Um, but you know there are some that still say yeah. he would get he would get drafted and. You know, that I, I want that's it's fascinating to see that dynamic play out because it's like, wow, you could have a season like that. And again, it's hard to be a freshman point guard anywhere, but especially at North Carolina. So I'm not trying to like pile on the kid, but at the same time, it's like, wow, you can do all of that and still get drafted. Yeah. And like you said, he and probably had to know a, that. That's a good level. thing, probably, for someone to research because I know I, I probably wouldn't, but you know, like, um, how do NBA executives take into account? what a student athlete is at UNC, you know, because that's totally different from a kid at Gonzaga or a kid at Houston. Um, Does the points really matter? Because Carolina is such a team oriented ball club, you know, does averaging 10 points really matter versus a kid who's been averaging 25? Like, you know, why are Carolina kids so highly coveted, even if um, they have a, 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 
Four Seasons yeah. or not a highly suited season. Yeah. I mean, and Jalen Johnson is not, yeah. it's not that dissimilar, right? Like Jalen Johnson did not, he had some nice games, but he didn't perform great when he was out there and, and struggled to sort of adjust to the physicality and then, you know, opted out with the foot injury. And I, I think we all kind of understand. I've talked about that here. I, I think we all kind of understand why that happened. Um, it was not going to benefit either side for Jalen to ride the bench because that was what was in Duke's best interest. And it was definitely not going to benefit Mike Krzyzewski right. for that to happen either. <laughs> so I, I think it was the best thing for everybody involved, but you know, it's not going to matter to him. Um, it, it, to be fair, it was a much more limited sample size, but still, and, and yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, it, I, I don't know how much it would matter. Um, maybe it wouldn't if they just are that high on, on his potential and what he can be. So. Um, and you could definitely see it in flashes. I'm sure that's what had yeah. to frustrate Roy Moore. Like yeah. you could see that it was there. <laughs> and then, you know, and again, I, I, cause I, I don't, I do not, I always remember these are college kids, right? Like I, it's like, I'm not going to pick on anybody. Um, but it, I, I, I think the only mean thing I said about Caleb and I felt a little bad after I tweeted it was just that I think it was in the ACC tournament. He dribbled the ball off his foot. I and I'm like, you can't yeah. be dribbling the ball off your foot. In, that's not like, mean. That's just like, observant. I'm not trying to... <laughs> Fair. Because it was just like, dude, you know, like it's understandable if you get your pocket picked by, you know, especially one of those FSU guard. I don't remember if it was FSU or Virginia Tech, but one of those, you know, tough guards that are really good defensively. It's understandable, but like for you to just dribble it off yeah. your foot, like what? Huh? I also like, wonder, like, <laughs> you know, what goes into a kid? Like, whenever, um, like in Hill's house, which is on Clubhouse, um, um, who I want to say was Trent Forrest of FSE, or it might have been someone from Wake Forest. I think it might have been Brandon Childress who said that, um, the intimidation of walking into the Dean Dome, seeing all of the names, um, the jerseys, that the titles, yeah. everything, um. I just wonder the type of pressure it it has to be to wear that Carolina jersey because it's not easy. I mean, oh, the sure. expectations are ridiculous. I mean, for just coming from fans, like UNC fans are very aggressive and they're very spoiled. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, <laughs> yep. seven titles. Um, you know, being Carolina is. You're Carolina, so you know yeah. I understand why kids are that way, and I mean fans are that way. So just the pressure of being in in that blue and white, I can only imagine what is how nerve wracking it is each and every game to to be not perfect, but you know to be coveted because you want to be on that that big screen. I am a Tar Heel with Marcus Page and and Michael Jordan and Antoine Jameson. Like you want that legendary status, so. Yeah, and they didn't get, you know, they didn't even exactly. get the Dean full experience either, you know. And so I'm sure I wonder, I mean, that's cheesy to think about, but I, you do wonder some if, like, that plays into it. You know, you don't get to go to class and walk around campus and make friends, you know. You don't get any of that. Um, and and that, I'm sure, plays a role, too. Like, if they'd made friends on campus with people that don't play basketball, like, you know, maybe they, if they'd been able to do that, maybe they would feel more of an attachment. And and if they'd been able to hear a full Dean Dome and all that other stuff, all those other college experiences, but there's nothing, there was nothing to tie them into like the Chapel Hill, the UNC right. Chapel Hill experience, right? Except for each other. That's, <laughs> yeah, that is um, right. And I talked about that too on, on the timeline, I think it was, but just 
not being able to get the full Carolina experience and understand what you're missing. Like social media can only do but so much. Like you, the branding of North Carolina is fantastic. Um, you know, if, if college athletes were getting paid, you know, the branding alone of being attached to UNC can far exceed anything you ever do. Um, but just coming out that tunnel, dancing before the game, seeing that sea of blue and hearing everyone chant UNC in your name. And yeah, I, I can imagine um, how, um, what's what I'm looking for? Just um, lack it could be for a player. You know, it's, that's what you sell Carolina on. You sell it on the fandom. If there's nothing else, Carolina fans are going to ride for you. Mm-hmm. And to not experience that has to be um, kind of sad. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, that's the that's the North Carolina portion of this. <laughs> don't don't panic yet. Um, Roy Roy Williams is a pretty competitive dude, and uh, I would imagine that. And he he alluded to this, I think, in response to your question too, in the post game about you know you asked him what he learned this year, and I thought that was a really good question. And he you know talked about that and talked about looking within himself because you know. People, people, I think sometimes wrongly think Roy is just saying this, but when he says like, I've got to do a better job because they're not doing X, Y, Z thing, I think he means that. Um, and, I, and I know he meant it then because he's like, I've been saying the same yeah. things all season. He's been actually been saying that for two seasons now. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. 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 yeah that's a good point. Um, I am I am sad that I, I enjoyed Walker and Dayron both, but I understand. I certainly understand Dayron's decision. Um, but I, uh, you know, now we're just going to have to look for more transfers and people panicking and parsing every single sentence of everybody's yeah, um, <laughs> I, I'm definitely intrigued to see this Walker Kessler story kind of play out um, and see where he goes. And just the development of it will be um, very interesting. Um, they say that he's favorite to go to Gonzaga or, you know, he was recruited by Duke and you can transfer within ACC without penalty. So mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued to see what Walker Castle is going to do. And I hope that whatever he does, it causes a splash because I I'm going to live for it. I know I am. The timeline is going to be. Boy, oh, my God. Can you imagine? If oh, you it'll be perfect. Oh, yeah, the perfect God. storm if you ever could want one. Triangle Twitter would explode, and I mean that like the like literally we'd probably get like a Twitter is over capacity. The fail whale, yeah, it was the best. Oh man, Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying to go too North Carolina focused, but I think they definitely they along with Louisville, I think, have already been um, beset with offseason turmoil issues, Um, and who knows what's going to happen. You know, like like we said, the portal will be active. Um, and you know, all, all things considered other than North Carolina's loss, I think like the ACC did about as I expected them to do. Like I know Virginia lost, but again, cause okay. And this, this will just let me go on my little mini Virginia rant here. You guys, like you guys, like collectively, everybody, y'all can dislike the style of play. And I think that, that that's fine. You can even think it leads to them losing games they shouldn't. Okay. But I, I don't agree necessarily that it's just the tempo, but that's fine too, right? But like this Virginia team barely even made their NCAA tournament game. Like they didn't yeah. practice until Thursday. They didn't even get, they didn't even get to Indy until Friday. They didn't uh 
they were quarantined, I think, for part of it and like barely practiced the whole week leading up after they had to leave the ACC tournament. I just think you can pick a different year if you want to make that. Point. It was That's all I'm so much say. going on with Virginia, and it's just it it was yeah, it was just so much going on. I, it was a lot to unpack in a week. You don't know if you're playing now. You're playing. Right. Do we practice? Do we not practice? Do we try? Like, it was just a lot going on, and you know it. It's even worse, kind of sort of that the ACC tournament, the NCAA were back to back. I really wish they had some time for teams to kind of rest and kind yep. of just um, e- evaluate if they did want to play. Um, it, it was – Virginia had a lot going on. They definitely did. Yeah. And they played – by the way, they played the team that, like, what did we start to hear when the tournament was yeah. here? Oh, Jason Preston, you know. And I get it. Like, he was spectacular. And and he's a really good player. And But, like, that's – I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember all the 13 teams off the top of my head, but like, I, I think Carolina or Virginia might've beaten any of the others, even on short rest, but that was, that was a big ask and uh, a big mismatch at point guard too, with Preston being a little taller than Kihei Clark and a great rebounder. And it, it's just whatever. I just, I, I think like you can make that point about Virginia if you want to, but I just think like, this is not the year to do that. Like I get it. It gets engagement and, People react to it because they don't like Virginia's pace, but we don't, we do not yeah. do this with yeah. any other team, right? We don't, we, we, people might look at Carolina and say, oh, well, they're too inside oriented, right? But that's a, that's like a, yeah. a, a strategy thing, right? That's a style, that's a style of play thing that's not related to tempo, but like, no, nobody would go, oh, well, Carolina plays so fast paced that like, that's why they lose. That's why they, yeah. you know, yeah. teams come back against them or whatever. I'm like, no one does that, <laughs> you know? And it's like, this is silly. Like, don't, don't, you can make the argument in a different way. You know, it's just, there are teams that are slow yeah. that win the title plenty. It just is. And there's also the whole issue of the NCAA tournament just being a crapshoot, you know? I mean, <laughs> Let me look at our, look at everyone's bracket. I think I don't know me. who lost or who I think it was when Or Roberts won. I think at that point it was like point four two brackets were correct at that point. Like everybody's brackets was was in a yeah. dumpster fire. Like I don't know if the committee got the seating wrong, if we really just didn't watch basketball this year, or or what the case was, but. <laughs> You cannot sit here and tell me that you really had all of these teams making it this far. Like, it just, just all Roberts no, alone. No. Because I, I said this on the podcast. I was like, it's mind blowing how the best shooter in the NCAA really went under the radar this long. Like you're telling me from November to March, we really did not hear about this kid. And he's out here shooting lights out and beating teams. and. Yep. And their Twitter followers are are just getting to 12K. So, like, how? Like, how did we really (laughs) sleep on a a kid this good? Um, I don't think, yeah. I don't think APL America teams have come out yet. Um, But I I vote on those. And I put him on um, one of my teams. And I don't know if he'll make it. I doubt he will. But when I see that the leading scorer in the country has some of yeah. the efficiency numbers that he has, like he shoots 52% from two, 90% from the foul line, 43% from three. Like this dude is unreal. And, and he plays like all of their minutes, all of the minutes he plays, like every single minute 
he's so in, integral to what they do. Like I was super impressed with just the kids' numbers, and it was super fun to watch Max Aismas play. I could not pronounce it until the tournament started, but hey, you know, uh, um, nobody had that though. Like you said, and like I know my one upset pick I felt strongly about was the UCSB one. That did not happen. Um, it almost did, but again, they don't count that. Um, and you know, it's just you're right. I think more so than in, in I do think there were seeding mistakes made. I don't think like. And I would say this if it were the ACC too. I do not think this has to, you can criticize the big 10. I think that's fair. When you have all but one of your nine teams out after yeah. the first weekend, yeah. that's a bad performance, just straight up. It's, there's no excusing it. But at the same time, I don't think that we have to like relitigate the season. If that makes sense. Like we don't, we don't have to go back and go, Oh, yeah. well, all these teams were actually bad. Like the, the big 10 teams that I thought shouldn't have gotten in the tournament at all were the ones who won. So, you know, I, I don't know that that says anything about the league as a whole, positively or negatively, because I saw some takes like, oh, they, it was a meat grinder and they just beat each other up. And I'm like, stop it. No. Um, you know, but it, again, I don't think whether it's for Virginia individually as a team or like for a league, I just don't think you can look at the postseason as, as a whole sweepingly and just go, uh, oh, well this means their league is this, or this means their team is this. Like, I can, I'm not, you can have a like bad, one bad night is all it takes, man. Like, that's, <laughs> uh, and it really kind of puts Roy Williams and the success he's had in the tournament up to this point, like in perspective. I mean, the fact that they hadn't lost in the first round before every other great coach. Agreed. Agreed. 29 games and you just lose your 30th one. Or if you put it in perspective for Carolina, um, I think it was 16 um, seasons and just you lose one. It's, it's, it is mind-blowing how good that is and that it happened this year. Luckily, you know, we wouldn't know about last year. We just <laughs> – no one knows what last year would have held. But, <laughs> yeah, it is It is kind of – and I wonder if that kind of made him a little emotional too. Like, you know, it's the expectations you have as a coach and, you know, to lose a first round – first time ever in your entire career um I, I wonder if that made him like you know a little sad yeah probably and and I mean I think the numbers too and and I didn't I hadn't really thought about this until I looked at it but like 2018 2019 and now 2021 um all of their losses mm -hmm. have come in like blowout fashion which we're not used to seeing either <laughs> um so, yeah, I'm sure that had him rethinking some things, too, because I'm sure he thought his team was going to have trouble with Wisconsin, but I don't think it's, yeah, I mean, I don't think he thought it would go like that either. But, but yeah, so, and, and, but I think, like, look, Syracuse does what Syracuse does as a double-digit seed. They get hot. Teams haven't seen the zone as much. You know, it, it's it's a problem for, for teams, and I, I kind of like I them feel, against I Houston, am so too, looking to forward to the Syracuse-Houston game. I'm almost, like, a little weirded out because when you look at Syracuse, you know, throughout the year in the ACC, you don't look at them the same way you do in the NCAA tournament. Like Carolina beats them year in, year out. Like, and I guess it's just the routine of, of being around Syracuse. Syracuse is routine in the ACC. So when other teams come up against a zone that, you know, they're not familiar with, I can understand it be incredibly difficult to, to adjust to, but, it's absolutely mind blowing to see Syracuse perform this well and to see Buddy Bayheim just shoot lights out. Like 
it is is incredibly mind blowing. I'm like, they're they're not this good, but until now, they barely made the tournament. <laughs> what the fuzzy is going on with Syracuse? Like, it, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, and, and but at this point, we should just, I guess, like just start penciling it in, man. Like if they if they barely make the tournament, yeah. they're they're winning at least one. You you pick you pick out how far you think they're going, but they're doing it. And uh, yeah, I love I love watching Buddy Bayheim play with such joy. He's super fun, and um, you know, Jim Bayheim as crotchety as he is, yes. he it, it has its charm. It, it does. Times. It kind of reminds me of like a. <laughs> a Dwight situation from the office. Like you, you, you like them and, but you understand the grumpiness to it. Like, you know, you know what? I've, I've always wanted to do an ACC comparison to the office characters and Dwight is totally Ooh. serious because really oh, <laughs> you, yeah. you kind of want them to win, but you kind of don't because you know, he hates Greensboro. Like how can you hate, you know, the ACC tournament being in Greensboro, but you know, it's just like, I, I do want you to win, Jim. I want you to prove them wrong. So I hope Syracuse uh, really does well against Houston. But to be honest, Lauren, I, I'm really looking forward to Michigan and Florida. Oh, Florida State, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. I I was, you know, I fell into the trap, too, of after Florida State looked the way they looked yeah. against UNCG. Um, they looked look, look great. And uh, then Colorado, you see, is like make it every three pointer in sight, and that's a good team. And you're like, wow. But I think you know it's similar to Syracuse in a, a little bit in the sense that you cannot prepare for what Florida mm-hmm. State throws at you on the court in terms of just sheer size and athleticism of that team. Like you can't you you can think you're ready right. for it, but you're not. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and um, I'm just I don't know how many times this happened. I haven't really looked at the stats, but to see two black head coaches go head to head um, and almost it's I wonder if, you know, Jawan Howard, he won, I think, coach of the year. So to see him have such quick success for Michigan just um, really says a lot about who he is as a coach and what he can bring to the table. And um, I just hope he has a a career almost emulating Coach Ham. and I'm, I'm just ready yeah. to see two legends just ball out on, on Sunday. I think they play. So I just, I think that like what, what they need is for, for Scotty Barnes, who's such a special player. And I'm so glad I got to watch him live at least a little bit this year at the HC tournament. Um, Cause seeing him in person is an experience. Like that dude is so long. Um, I swear he has like the longest legs. Like he has kind of a shortish torso, I feel like, but like his legs just go on mm-hmm. for days. He's got these long arms. He he can play one through four, defend one through four. He's so athletic. I think like he did against Colorado. Like if he can really be that alpha yeah, for them, they'll have a chance. It's funny because um, looking at Scotty Barnes, and when you think of Florida State, you automatically think of Scotty Barnes along with you know MJ Walker and and in co-hosts or in people, but to think that he was six men of the year. And you think like, I thought he started like Scotty doesn't start like he only started in seven games, but that's how synonymous he is with Florida State and this team and how productive he is on the court. You just think he's a starter and he isn't. He's a six man. He's only started seven games, but he's that productive and that meaningful to this team that you don't envision this Florida State team without him. 
Yeah, and by the way, I know he only had six points in that game, but I feel like down the stretch especially, he really just took over. Um, he had five assists. He had three steals. He just he just sort of took over that basketball game. That doesn't always show up in points, but if he can be that guy for them, like that would be amazing, I think. And um, there's, oh, I love watching Florida State play. They're so fun. I just need them to yeah. be like a little less turnovery. But if they can do that, because <laughs> it's just been a little sloppy. And I know that you know when you play the way they do, sometimes that's apt to happen. But they've had, they've really had yeah. some Carolina-ish turnovers. I think when they the were in Chapel Hill, they had like twenty. <laughs> well, UNC had twenty-one. So I mean, there's, <laughs> it's not like UNC had anything better. But yeah, it kind of took me back a little when I realized how many turnovers they had. Um, and they they still put up high points. So, um, yeah, I agree. And I hope I hope uh, Lenny's doing okay physically. Mm-hmm. I know he tore his Achilles, and he was not using. Oh, what was the Georgia State coach's name? I cannot remember for the life of me. But he was. Using, remember, he had like the scooter. I, was it Hunter? I, I'm not sure. Don't get me lying. I'm not either. <laughs> Let me. I might look it up. But like he had he had a foot injury that had him like kind of scooting along with his knee. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. up on a scooter or whatever and like, I was thinking that would be Lenny but it wasn't uh it was Lenny was just Ron Hunter yeah okay I looked it up but uh it was Lenny Ham just sort of limping a little bit and people were like asking me they're like is he okay I'm like yeah he tore his Achilles no big deal he's fine <laughs> Lenny Lenny's fine uh yeah easy for me to say right but um hopefully he does okay and yeah like like we sort of touched on I think the rest of the ACC did just fine all things considered yeah. Clemson performed well even in the loss um you know Georgia Tech was didn't mm-hmm. have Moses right and still was right there with Loyola and they shouldn't have been playing Loyola as in an eight nine and Georgia Tech should yeah. have been a nine and Loyola shouldn't have been an eight so yeah. that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole oof, I didn't like that when we talk about seeding to me I think that's where the over-reliance on conference strength can be a detriment because Every yeah. metric loved Loyola, right? And they were really like all season. Bomb. They're not like a surprise team. Like yeah. Loyola has been good, and seeing them kind of rank that low, I, I agree. I, I think that was that was a, a little uh, a little slight to them because they're they're not a surprise. They they good. Well, and it's, yeah. it's not it's not fair to Georgia Tech. It's not fair to Illinois. Like, yeah, that's not an eight. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, and uh, who am I missing? That play? Oh, Virginia Tech played tough. You know, I mean, uh, really, Carolina was the only face plant. No kidding. I just, yeah, that game. I, yeah, 85 62. Yeah. I, I, I hate it too because, like, so many guys are not going to want to remember that game. But, like, I was, do- I was realizing this when I was doing the Dayron Sharp going pro story. And that was mm. his fewest rebounds in a game all year. Yeah. Uh, it was like, I think he had like three rebounds and that was the fewest he'd had all year in a game. What a way to go out. Ugh. You're the best. Just player. awful. But yeah, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I, why do I notice this? I'm terrible. Um, but I loved watching Dayron all year and there's a, I, I totally get why he's going, but there was a part of me a little sad um, that I won't get to watch him become like Carolina's point guard yeah. center. Next yeah, year. I'm I'm intrigued <laughs> to see how he develops and who's going to develop him. That's who I'm really um intrigued to see. The work he's gonna put in this summer. Yeah. Um, you have to imagine that he's gonna, you know, reach out to some professionals, uh, professional players and and kind of build his as Coach Williams said, his discipline and um 
be more focused and, you know, contributing a little bit more. So I'm, I'm definitely um, looking forward to seeing his progression this summer and, and who takes him and is, is going to really um, pour into him because I, I, I don't want to say he's leaving early, um, but I get it. I totally, totally get leaving. I, I do. Everyone knew he was going to leave. I think after the, the first few games we saw him play, no one expected him to stay, but um, you still see that there are little tidbits within him that needs to be um, honed in. So, um, yeah. oh, for sure, yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna miss it. It's gonna be a whole new whole new. And who knows? A lot of ACC teams I think could look significantly. Different I, I agree. Yeah, agree. I think we. I do think that um, I, I'm ready to see what an RJ. UNC team looks like. So um, in RJ Kerwin dynamic, um, I think they're going to be. So I'm, I'm guessing you're not hearing anything bad about RJ then. So I was wondering that. But I'm sure RJ's decision might rest yeah, on what other um, players I do, think, you know. this is me personally speaking, and I said it on the timeline, I, I do think RJ stays. I don't see him leaving, um, nor have I, I haven't heard any rumblings about him. So I, I think he genuinely loves the the. UNC and Kerwin does too. I think Kerwin actually had a, a question thrown yeah. at him about UNC and he stated how much he loved the university and how much fun he's having. So I, I definitely think that Carolina fans can kind of rest on RJ and Kerwin. I, I do think that next year they know that this is their team. Um, and I think RJ at point is a lot healthier than um, any other option for Carolina unless they get a point guard out of the transfer mm-hmm. portal, which I don't see coach doing. Interesting. Okay. Cause yeah, RJ, I think he, to a lesser extent, because I don't think his highs were as high and his lows weren't as low as Caleb, but he had that, um, you know, what struck me both of, about both of them early on was their confidence. And so, um, and just that they're, they were both kind of unfazed mm-hmm. by their, by the mistakes. Um, and that's, that's a good quality to have, it, it, you know, overall and and I, I liked I liked what RJ was doing at the end of the year obviously Kerwin Walton had a historical mm-hmm. season in terms of three-point shooting and it'll yeah it'll it, it's not see yeah it's, it's not, not all it's bad okay. yeah, there are Everybody. a lot of things to look forward to and then you got Puff you know if, if Puff decides that you still have Puff who's yeah. going to be developed and I don't think Puff will leave either um I, I think there's still yeah, the family yeah, connection yeah. helps. Um, and you still have Leaky Black. I mean, there's still a lot of good points to Carolina. I think what UNC has to kind of focus on going forward is who really needs to be at the four and five next year. Like, what do we do with this? Because you have DeMarco Dunn and Dontre Styles coming in. I don't think guards are the issue here. I think the issue is, you know, what do we do for the post? You know, who is going to be our guy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Garrison and Brooks. Runs I, I don't back, see Garrison it? leaving either. Like it'll be, I I don't. This is again really? this is me personally. I think if Garrison leaves, I think he leaves to go pro. I don't see Garrison leaving to go to another right. school and start over again. Oh no, that'll be I, insane to I, me. I so if he does it yeah. this year, I think he stays at Carolina. Um, but if he leaves, he definitely goes pro. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I agree on that. But I, I, I didn't think he would, honestly. And then, I don't know, his final press conference, and this is 
again, this is just us being around these players all year and getting to know them a little bit. Um, Armand, Ar- Armando Garrison is a little yeah. short usually. Um, yeah, I, I could after definitely see that. He wasn't <laughs> emotional either. Like he, no, and he was not that short. I didn't. <laughs> that struck me. Like. I don't know. He 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 was at first, and then he seemed to like get more comfortable and like start getting more chatty towards the end of the press conference. And he, like you said, he was like you could tell he'd been emotional, but it was like I was like, hmm. And then when he was asked about leaving, he's like, yeah, I don't know yet. And yeah, like, it was hmm. that answer was a little bit more confident <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. Like you know, he didn't stall on it. Like yeah, you know, I thought about it. You know, most players would have kind of just kind of. I don't know, stayed away from it a little bit, but he was very forthcoming about it. And, and that was, that's kind of reassuring for fans. If they, you know, if, if there is some experience coming back that it is going to be in Garrison Brooks. Yeah. Um, I know some of the fan base like to beat up on he and like Leaky a little bit and, and play tech. Those were the favorite whipping boys of the, of the team because they wanted to see more Dayron, obviously. And they want, they wanted Dayron and Baycott and then they didn't like, but you know what? Carolina never lost a game all year where, where Leaky Black had a plus in the go, plus Lauren. minus That's category. That's the statistic that they saying. need to hear. Well, I mean, you could take plus minus for whatever <laughs> it's worth. It has its flaws, but that was a stat that fascinated me because it was in Carolina's game notes and I'm looking and I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, you know, that's kind of crazy to me. They never lost a game where he was on the, uh, uh, the plus side of things. So. But yeah. Okay. Well, let me get you out of here, but tell everybody where they can find you and how at all your various, uh, Literally just find all your various the, no, um, so I have uh, two podcasts. I have um, one called Real Sports Heroes, and then I have one with 05 uh, champion and former Tar Heel David Noel called uh, The Player and the Fan. You can also find uh, me and the unofficial mascots of uh, UNC, uh, BDOT. We have a club on Clubhouse called Teal's House. And we also have a group chat if you guys want to come in. Um, it's nothing but Carolina and ACC basketball. It's really fun. Um, and we just uh, cheer and grieve about Carolina basketball in that room. Um, and you can also find me on social media by my name, uh, Q-U-I-E-R-R-A-L-U-C-K. And yeah, um, that's pretty much it, I think. I'm going to hit it off. Our, yeah that's great and thanks so much for joining and giving us more insight into this and um yeah until next week everybody uh we'll see if there's still any acc teams left i'm gonna go with no but we shall see <laughs>